Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. So I was in the shower, I was cleaning my ass and making all shirts all sparkly. Thank you, Clean. I'm not the funny one, I'm the pretty one. Talk shots. <laughs> I just checked myself out. Music, wine, and then loop up and get on top. Glory holds like a, a like dick theater of a magic trip. Which means your pants had better come off. Mama needs playtime. I didn't know. We're not sluts. We just love love. Hello, microphone people. Happy to have you back with us this week. Hello, hello. How's everybody doing out there? Yes, you're back here another week of By the By. That's right. Yes. And, yeah. you know, you know <laughs> as we always do, let's talk about some of the stuff that is going on right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, our next pendulum party is July... 29th. 29th. Mm-hmm. So we've got July... Then one in September. So that means that it's like a month away. Yeah. It's that's right. Four weeks away. It's amazing. Yeah. So that's pretty awesome. Then we have one coming up in September and then probably November. Yes. And in between all of that, we have uh, on October the 8th, we're going to be attending the Erotic Ball, which is now going to be in Sydney. That's exciting. This event, which is super exciting. Very much looking forward to that. Yeah. So there's a meet and greet on the Friday night before. So everybody can kind of, you know, say hi and get to know each other a little bit before going into the Erotic Ball. Yeah. Super, super excited for that. That's going to be fun. We've heard some really great stuff about the first few up in Townsville. Yeah. And then in November. That's right. Escape to the tropics. Yeah. November 9th to 14th. Come Mm -hmm. join us and exclusively RHP and a whole suite of other people. There's a few rooms left. We are what, like four months out now? Yeah. Right? It's literally just around the it's, corner. And I cannot wait for a holiday, a sexy holiday, and some great people to hang out with. I mean, a sexy holiday is fine. I just I just want a holiday, period. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to go somewhere fun. Yeah. It's been too long. It's going to be fun. It's going to be November in Queensland. It's going to be warm. I cannot, cannot wait because we're in the middle of winter here and it is fucking freezing. <laughs> well, I mean, it's not. It's, it's not, but it's cold. <laughs> I saw people in shorts yesterday. <laughs> yesterday was great. The weekend was beautiful. This is being recorded on a Monday night and it got cold. We had nice southerly winds come up and it got chilly yeah. today. It's, I don't like it. You're so funny. I don't, I don't like this Antarctic breeze. <laughs> That's so funny. Not, not my thing. So uh, a huge shout out as always to the folks on our discord channel. Thank you so much for the continuing conversations. It's uh it's gotten a bit riled up over the past couple of weeks down the politics line. Uh, so if you pay attention to U.S. politics, you know why. Uh, and if you don't, well, you could find out yourself. Uh, support us at any level on patreon.com slash by the podcast. And you'll get an invite on, uh, on by email to get into our Discord chat. And yeah, it's, uh, it's always nice because I bounce now between the politics and the not safe for work yeah. and the memes. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Laugh, feel sexy, cry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it's important. It's important. It's good. And uh, yeah, it's nice to have the community there. Absolutely. 
Uh, so, uh, as we've done with Pride Month this this month. Oh yes, this day in Pride. Yes, this day in uh, queer history. Yeah. So look, on the day it's coming out, it's it's interesting. But yesterday, if you're listening to this as it was released, or I guess in the states, uh-huh. uh, it will be released on the anniversary of the Stonewall, the beginning of the Stonewall riots oh. was June 28th. Okay. So that it was a day in. 1969 marked the first in a six-day series of demonstrations, civil disobedience and resistance against law enforcement provoked by the raid of the Stonewall Inn, a gay bar in Greenwich Village, New York City. The conflict, which would later be known as the Stonewall Uprising, is regarded by many as the single most important catalyst for the expansion of LGBTQ equal rights movement. Such an important day. Yeah. Yeah. And if you are listening to it in Australia, June 29th, uh-huh. on this day in 1626, Catalina de Yoracio was granted permission. Remember, this is 1626, was granted permission by Pope Urban VIII to wear male clothing and continue her life as a man named Conquistador Francisco de Loyola. In the 1600s? Yeah. The Pope. I feel like the head of the Catholic Church. I feel like that was pretty progressive for I the Pope. I think it was. I think it was. What, what did he get out of it? <laughs> I, I don't mean, know. They were conquistador, right? So maybe they like called the land or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Give him all the gold or the spices or yes. yeah. Yeah. So yeah. there you go. Cool. That's really interesting. Yeah, I thought huh. so. So Angela, uh-huh. what are we doing this week? We are doing a guess who. Of bicons. So a sort of continuation from last week, but with a sexy twist. <laughs> well, it's a twist. <laughs> what a twist. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to describe the person. Oh, great. And you're going to try and guess who they are. I am going to fail. Some of them on the list, I think, well, many of them. I tried to make it a pretty easy list. I did throw in a couple of difficult ones just because I really like their stories. Okay. So you're not going to get some, but that's all right. Oh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I hate it when Angela looks at me and says, you're not going to get some. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Okay. You ready for the first one? I am ready. Do you want me? I'm going to start with dates born and died if they've died. Okay. And country of origin. Then we'll get into who they are. Oofed. Okay. Okay. You're not even going to give like a category of, of what they're known for. I can give you a category. Sure. Okay. Yeah. All All right. So this person was born in 1932. Okay. I'm not going to give you specific dates. It doesn't matter. That's fine. They died in 1992. Okay. Okay. So died at, was that 60? Uh-huh. Okay. So from the U.S. Okay. And it's an actor. Okay. Okay. All right. So this was an American actor and singer, best known for his Oscar nominated, his Oscar nominated role in Friendly Persuasion, 1956, and for playing... This is going to give it away. Norman Bates in Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho in oh, 1960. Anthony Perkins. Uh-huh. Ah, oh, cool. Yep. I didn't realize he was bi. Yep. Until his 30s, he only had relationships with men. Rock Hudson, Tab Hunter. Oof, what a uh, great list. Many other lovers. And it wasn't until he was 39 that he had an affair with Victoria Principal and eventually went on to marry photographer Berinthia Barry Berenson at age 41. Cool. Yeah. I'm just looking up Victoria Principal. Okay. Because now I'm curious because I know what the other people looked like. Uh-huh. Um, well, when you find a picture, show me because I'm curious too, but I don't really feel like Googling. Oh, yeah. She's, doing uh, 
she's fucking stunning. Holy jeez, yeah. Yeah. All right. I mean, look at that. Woof. Yeah. Yeah, no. I'd, yeah, yeah. You got I mean, me there. But Rock Hudson was like the man. <laughs> yeah, so I thought that was a that was an interesting one to start off with tonight. Yeah, I um that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it's not one I necessarily would have picked. I don't think I would have ever remember, known that Yeah. that I'd heard that he was by. Mm. Yeah, so apparently he had relationships with men first and then you know, yeah. said to try a little something, something. <laughs> so fun. <laughs> okay, so the next one. Okay. Are you ready for number two? Yes. This is going to be an easy one for you. Oh, good. Yeah. Born in 1926. Okay. Died in 1962. From the U.S. Actor, model, singer. This person, also, they do not go by their given name, birth name. Okay. By 1953... They were one of the most marketable Hollywood stars, leading roles in the noir film Niagara, which focused on their sex appeal, and then the comedies Gentlemen Prefer Blondes and How to Marry a Millionaire. Is that uh, Marilyn Monroe? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. okay. So she was born Norma Jean Mortensen. Yeah. And Goodbye, Norma Jean. Uh, And she was also used as a centerfold and on the cover of the first issue of Playboy. Cool. And although she uh, did play a significant role in the creation and management of her public image throughout her career, she was disappointed when she was typecast and underpaid by the studio as a quote-unquote dumb blonde. (laughs) Oh, God love her. (laughs) Uh, So she was suspended in early 1954 for refusing a film project but returned to star in one of the biggest box office successes of her career, The Seven-Year Itch, in 1955. Wow. And then she won a Golden Globe for Best Actress for her work in Some Like It Hot in 1959. And uh, her last completed film was the drama The Misfits in 1961. Hmm. Yeah. Before she was murdered by the CIA. (laughs) And uh, in the transcripts of her sessions with Dr. Ralph Greenson, the psychoanalyst she saw towards the end of her life, she admitted to having sexual encounters with actresses Joan Crawford, Barbara Stanwyck, Marlene Dietrich, and Elizabeth Taylor. Jeez. Yeah, and she, I mean, we all know she really kind of struggled with substance abuse, depression, mm. anxiety. Um, she was married to Joe DiMaggio and Arthur Miller, and both of those, of course, she ended up divorced from. And yeah, she died at age 36 from an overdose of barbiturates at her home in Los Angeles. By the CIA. By the CIA. Yep, yep. <laughs> oh. But she's a well-known bicon. I think she's yeah. one that, I mean, you were. I dressed up as her for yeah. the first uh, first Sydney Pride Mardi Gras. For the biconic, yeah. first biconic float. Yeah. yeah that yeah, we, were, we were in. We were all bicons and you were a Marilyn. I was. And you were beautiful Marilyn. I was a great Marilyn. Yeah, you're just beautiful. <laughs> yes, very lovely. So she's a very iconic bicon for us. I thought she deserved to be on the list. Yeah. The next one, it's going to be hard for you. I think it's going to be hard for you because I did not know this person. I'm better about Although, coming up with facts about people when I have their names. Yeah, than... I feel like I should have known this person, but I didn't. So I don't know that you're going to. Okay. All right. Born in 1894. 1894. We're going way back. All right. <laughs> I mean, a little bit back. So born in 1894, died in 1937. So pretty quite yeah, young. young. Yeah. From the U.S., they were a dancer and singer. This person is also known as the Empress of the Blues. They were credited with bringing the blues to mainstream music in the 20s. Ella Fitzgerald. No. Damn. 
Uh, she was, it's a she. She was born in 1892 or 1894, as some census reports and her family suggest. So not entirely sure of that birth year. She began, oh, she was born in Tennessee. Uh, she began performing at a young age and left her hometown in 1912 to join a traveling vaudeville act put on by Pa and Ma Rainey. She traveled with them singing and dancing until 1915, and her style and performance were greatly influenced by Ma Rainey, so she saw her as a bit of a mentor. She toured on her own for a few years, and she went to Philadelphia to do, start her recording career. Her first recording, Downhearted Blues, in 1923, made her one of the more popular black artists of her time. I feel like I should know who this is, but I, my brain is stuck yeah? with um, fucking Ella Fitzgerald now, and well, I can't get her out of it. She was credited with being the performer responsible for introducing the blues to the mainstream music in the U.S. Before I tell you any more, do you want me to tell you who she is? Yeah. Bessie Smith. Oh, I know the name, but I don't yeah. think I could have picked her out of a I lineup. could not have told you who she was now, and I feel a little bad because I feel like I should have. Uh, so she was, I'm not a big fan of the blues, to be honest. I yeah. mean, the blues are fine, but... Well, she was married twice, once by common law, but she was better known for her many extramarital affairs. She's rumored to have been in a relationship with Ma Rainey, though it was never confirmed, but she did have a well-known involvement with dancer Lillian Simpson. And in her lyrics, in her 1930 song, The Boy in the Boat, the lyrics say, When you see two women walking hand in hand, just look them over and try to understand. They'll go to those parties, have the lights down low, only those parties where women can go. And in addition, she often sings about being in the life, referring to LGBT lifestyle. Interesting. And Please. yeah, and after the Depression, she transitioned to more swing style to try to keep up with changing musical tastes. Uh, she eventually died from injuries from a car crash. Wow, holy smokes. Yeah. Yeah, just yeah, blue, blue singer there. Interesting. I, I just really like the story. Yeah, I was like, yeah, it's a good I story. I don't know who she is, but I just love and and even as far back as you know, twenties and thirties, like really kind of singing about yeah. it and, and putting it out there. And and you know how people are with song lyrics, and you have to wonder how many people actually listened and got the meaning. Yeah, because there would have been many that did. There'd also they probably been many that just kind of sung it without even thinking about the meaning because it had a good tune to it. Well, yeah, but at the same time, like this wasn't like we had cassettes and CDs and MP3s and Spotify. We just listened to the same song over and over and over again. True. Very true. Yeah. Nor websites where you could go look up the lyrics. Look up the lyrics. Yeah. 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 That's very true. All right. So the next one, uh, I got to, I got to pull them up here. Give me a second. That this should give you a clue if you're actually paying attention. <laughs> Is it alphabetical? <laughs> okay, so this person was born in 1882, died in 1941. Oof, okay. All right, from the UK, they're an author. Okay. All right. Wait, what, what year did they die? 1941. Is it a lady? Yes. Do you I, have a guess? I have a guess, yeah, but I don't do want to it. say no, it. Guess it. Guess it. Is it Mary Shelley? No. Oh, damn. Because no. she's way before that. Yeah, no. Okay. So this person is considered one of the most important modernist writers of the 20th century and one of the most famous members of the Bloomsbury group. Uh, she was very much in love with her husband. They were both part of this Bloomsbury group, which tended to have more liberal ideas about sexuality than general society. Mm -hmm. They were not monogamous. Nor were all of this person's lovers men. Cool. In 1922, she met a popular novelist and fellow member of the Bloomsbury group, uh, Vita Sackville-West. 
They started an intensely romantic friendship. In a letter to her husband, Sackfield West claimed that her relationship with this person was only consummated twice. Eventually, they the romance kind of burned out. They became longtime friends. This author was a pioneer in her use of stream of consciousness as a narrative device. They were most popular in the 1930s and declined considerably after World War II. The growth of feminist criticism in the 70s helped to reestablish their reputation, and many of her novels, including Mrs. Dalloway and Orlando, a biography, have by characters. Is this Virginia Woolf? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. And she also wrote nonfiction, including A Room of One's Own, that has now become one of the foundational texts of feminist literary criticism. Okay. I didn't know that Virginia Woolf was non-monogamous. So I heard on a British podcast that it's actually pronounced Wolf. Wolf? Like Wolf. 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 So you can have both O's. Oh, like Wolf. I, I, I don't know how it actually is. This is. The, uh, is this the no such thing as a fish? It was. They did a whole big thing about Virginia Wolf. Did they? Virginia Wolf. I know. It's hard to say. I can't say it. I can't say it. Uh, did Did they talk about her her relationship and her um, monogamy? Uh, no. I feel like this is something that that I want to dive into now. Yeah. I want to understand yeah. a little more. All right. Well, maybe we do that for future podcasts. Yeah, I just want to understand. Yeah, I just I now I mean, need that's, to. That's also like, I mean, you have to wonder. Obviously, there have been non-monogamous people all throughout time. But if if it was well known that they were not monogamous at the time, how common was that you yeah. know, in the early 1900s? That's a great question. I mean, or was it was it were just, people still marrying for land and shit back then? So yeah. it was pretty common. Yeah, maybe it was more, more acceptable then. It's interesting how there'd be a time where that's acceptable, then it's not, and now we're trying to make it more acceptable again. <laughs> Hello, just, I would like to introduce you to religion. Maybe we just need to start marrying for land and money and shit again. There you go. <laughs> Screw this love stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That's uh, great. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. All right, we're going to have to dive into her a little bit more later on. I mean, well, you know. I mean, clearly she would allow it and, and her relationship structure says it's okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, except she, she's not alive anymore. Well, it kind of puts a damper on things. It does. <laughs> there, is, there is that. Okay, so this next one. I am super excited for you to try to guess this one. You'll, I think you'll get it pretty quickly. Okay. <sighs> and if I say, there's one thing I can say that I think will get it get you there very quick, but I'm going to hold off and just, we're just going to go in order of what this, this site says. Okay. All right. So they were born in 1940, died in 2005 from the U S actor, comedian, writer, television personality, actor, comedian, writer, television personality. Okay. They have a very big name, like full name. This person reached a broad audience with his trenchant observations and storytelling style. He is largely regarded as one of the greatest and most influential stand-up comedians of all time. He won an Emmy Award for writing achievement in comedy, variety, or music in 1973 for his work on The Lily Tomlin Show. I should know this. He won five Grammy Awards for Best Comedy Recording in 1974, 75, 76, 81, and 82. He was listed at number one on Comedy Central's list of all-time greatest stand-up comedians, and in and number one, mm-hmm, and in 2017, Rolling Stone ranked him as first on its list of the 50 best stand-up comics of all time. Wow. In 1963, this person moved to New York City, began performing in clubs. On one of his first nights, he opened for singer and pianist Nina Simone at New York's Village Gate. Simone wrote about his early appearances in her autobiography. 
He shook like he had malaria. He was so nervous. I couldn't bear to watch him shiver, so I put my arms around him there in the dark and rocked him like a baby until he calmed down. Aww. The next night was the same, and the next, and I rocked him each time. That's really sweet, and I feel bad <laughs> for this fella. He was inspired by Bill Cosby, and he began as a middle-brow comic with material far less controversial than what was to come. Then he began appearing regularly on TV variety shows, such as Ed Sullivan, Merv Griffin, Tonight Show with Johnny Carson. I think the thing that keeps throwing me is the fact that he's dead. Yeah. And he died recently. His popularity led to success as a comic in Las Vegas. While he was performing in Vegas, he had an epiphany, and he started incorporating profanity into his act and talking about controversial issues. I love he had the, You know what? Holy shit balls. Fucking cunt face. He took on police brutality that still feels relevant today. He does make frequent use of the N-word and other profanity. Okay. He co-wrote Blazing Saddles, was in a lot of movies and TV shows. He had his own variety show Wait, for a is while. He, he is in Blazing Saddles, or did he just co-write it? So, Because that's Mel Brooks and Gene Wilder. He was um, unwilling. Remember who was he? Was unwilling to alter his material or persona for network censor, so he got his show canceled um, because he was he was very very controversial. In his 2014 biography, Scott Saul talks about his relationships, the good and the bad. He was married seven times to five different women, but he, it seems as though he was rarely faithful. His partners would not be sure if they would come home to find him in bed with another person or what the gender of that person would be. Uh, later, Quincy Jones said that he had an affair with Marlon Brando, and this person's widow confirmed both the affair and his bisexuality. Holy shit, apparently with he, Marlon Brando? So apparently he just, you know, his partners would just come home. He might be in bed with somebody. Who knows who? You know, doesn't matter. Whatever. <laughs> Still no idea who this person is? I think the, the... I should know it. You should. And I would say the one thing that gave it away for me was the profanity, the comedy, and like just that, that persistent... Almost over the edge, kind of. Yeah, I comedy. mean, it's clearly a, a black comedian, but I don't. <sighs> You're gonna get it as soon as I say it. Yeah. What's the initials? Do you want to see a picture? Yeah. Oh, yeah. See if you can get it from a picture. All right. If I right. can't get it from the picture, uh, Richard Pryor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, That's hilarious. So his full name is Richard Franklin Lennox Thomas Pryor. What a great name. That's a mouthful. Also. It's still my favorite thing is, you know, so I was in Vegas and I had this epiphany. <laughs> I should say fuck more. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You just need to just need to curse a little more, you know? <laughs> yeah. I, that's just, I had no idea about the personal life. No. I knew that he was a very controversial comedian and yeah. he was, you know, um, just from all the, the very funny. And, yeah. So that was, I thought that was an interesting one. Weird. Okay. Yeah. yeah that's a good one. I like that one. Hmm. Next one's going to be really hard, too. I okay. didn't realize I had two hard ones back to back. I tried to mix the hard ones up. <laughs> I didn't do a good job. I mean, I could go somewhere else first. Nope, we're going to do, do this. All right, all right. This person. Born in the 1860s. Don't know when. 1860s. Sometime. Died in 1943. U.S. They're a scientist and an academic. That narrows it down. Okay. Well, just wait. They were an agricultural scientist and inventor. They are credited with creating and developing hundreds of products using peanuts, sweet potatoes, Ooh. and soybeans. George Washington Carver. Yes. Well done. <laughs> 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 I'm not going to get this one. Yeah, you will. <laughs> I can't believe I got that one and didn't get fucking Richard Pryor. What <laughs> so he was born into slavery towards the end of the Civil War in Missouri. And after the Civil War and Emancipation Proclamation, 
His former owners, Moses and Susan, opted to raise him as their own. As so Aunt Susan taught him to read and write. Black people were not allowed to attend the public school where he lived, so he had to go to a school for black children 10 miles south, 16 kilometers south, in another place, in, in another town. And so that journey would have supposedly taken three hours each way by foot. Oh, my God. Uh, so later he was... So when he was talking to his grandkids, it was like, <laughs> when I was a boy, I walked three hours one way to school. Yeah, yeah, basically. He then went to college in Iowa. He was encouraged to pursue botany after one of his teachers recognized his talent for painting nature. So he entered the Iowa State Agricultural College as their first ever black student, and he went on to get a bachelor's and a master's degree. And then uh, he later returned to be a faculty member at Iowa State. You know, you ever think about that, though? Like, so you're drawing pictures and somebody's like, oh, wow, you really paint. You paint flowers really well. You should be a botanist. <laughs> As if those things go together. It's, it's kind of like, oh, my gosh, you're so good at painting space. You should be an astronaut. No, but I get it because if it's not probably there's probably more to it than that. Right. Like, it's What do you have to paint in order to be good at it? Like physics. But it's <laughs> black hole. <laughs> black hole. Um, no, but you probably, it was probably if he was painting and drawing and then talking about the plants and, you know, telling a lot about them, that kind of thing. Okay, maybe. It, there's probably a lot more to it than just like, oh, look, it's just, picture. It's just the way that it's read. <laughs> I it's know. like, oh, he was good yeah. at painting plants. So she was like, you should be a botanist. Yeah. I, ex I expect that there was a lot more story and, and knowledge behind the paintings as well. I mean, I guess John J. Audubon, they call him a ornithologist and all he did was shoot birds and paint them awkwardly. Yeah, see? See? <laughs> uh, so in 1896, Carver was invited to head up the Agricultural Department at Tuskegee, Univers Tuskegee Institute, now Tuskegee University. He taught there for a very long time, and he taught black students about farming for self-sustainability, uh, crop rotation, and other agricultural techniques that are still used today. So he was instrumental in, in teaching techniques to improve soil depletion by repeated plantings of cotton. He wanted poor farmers to grow other crops, such as peanuts and sweet potatoes, so they could source their own food and improve their quality of life. Uh, so yeah, he became this like widely recognized scientist. And, Interesting. I only yeah. knew him as a peanut farmer. Yeah. And in 1990, he was inducted into the National Inventors Hall of Fame. So yeah, he did a lot of, a lot of stuff. Hmm. Yeah. Cool. Uh, but then on a personal level, I like this. He rejected the matchmaking attempts of his friends. At age 40, he dated Sarah L. Hunt for three years. She was an elementary school teacher and sister-in-law of Warren Logan, the treasurer of Tuskegee Institute. Their relationship ended when she moved to California. And so he had a series of long-lasting friendships with his male students. He wrote them very affectionate, although not sexually explicit, letters. And was known to enjoy getting therapeutic peanut oil massages from handsome men. Oh, my God. It, uh, his university colleagues also claimed he would horse around with many men. I love it. Hey, want to see my nut oil? <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you know, my cheeks look great with nut oil on them. <laughs> so from 1934 till his death in 1943, uh, Carver and scientist Austin W. Curtis Jr. were constant companions. They would walk around campus arm in arm on their way to check their experiments. And Carver left all of his assets to Curtis upon his death. Oh, That's sweet. Yeah, it yeah. is sweet. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, George Washington Carver for Leave you. Leave you my jar of nut peanut, oil. Peanut oil, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Go get a massage. <laughs> that's great. Yeah, I'm actually surprised you got that one so quick. That's, yeah, good. Yay. 
I'm shocking. <laughs> As you lay in bed, do you look to your right or maybe your left at your bedside table and you see a jar of partially used nut oil and you're like, man, I wish I had something to, to lube that up with. Well, if you're looking for a new toy to use your partially hydrogenated nut oil on, go to adamandeve.com. And when you do, put your item in your basket, use checkout code by the by. That's B-Y-T-H-E-B-I. And you will get that item at 50% off. You know what else you'll get? You'll get some extra toys thrown in your box on its way to you. You'll get six videos on demand and most importantly, free shipping. Because we know you're spending all your money on nut oil. You don't want to spend it on uh, shipping. So make sure you use checkout code by the by, B-Y-T-H-E-B-I at adamandeve.com. And uh, look, check the packaging on whatever toy you buy and make sure it is nut oil approved. Most of them want water-based lubricants. But, you know, if you got nut oil, it was only 50% off. So go ahead and use it. It'll be great. (laughs) Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. <laughs> oh my god, I love it! I love how you did that. Okay. Do, do we want to move on? Mm. I think it's going to be an easy one, especially because right. oh, I can't really tell you anything about them without actually completely giving away who it is. Sweet. I like um, these. They were born in 1986. Oh, they're young. Uh-huh. In the U.S. Okay. Actor, musician, activist, artist, singer, songwriter. A lot. Yeah. Um, Lady Gaga. Fuck yeah. Uh, activist, singer, songwriter. <laughs> it's, it narrows it down and the year was about right. Uh-huh. Yeah. All right. Well done. <laughs> fastest ever. <laughs> I get that a lot. Uh, so she was born Stephanie Joanne Angelina Germanata. Hope I pronounced all of that correctly. If Holy not, shit. I'm so sorry. That's awesome. Of course, her stardom started with her debut album, The Fame, in 2008, which had singles Just Dance and Poker Face. My God, that was 2008. Yep. That seems like it was, it feels like it should be so much longer than that. Yeah. But also that seems ages ago. Yeah. In a 2009 concert, she explained that Poker Face was about having sex with a man while fantasizing about women. That's awesome. I love it. Uh, so she's sold over 124 million records as of whenever this was written. That's it? Just, <laughs> yeah. Come on. Come on. Come on, Gogs. Uh, so she also had a great acting so far. Thus far, she's, she's still having, um, I don't know, potentially she still wants to. Uh, a great acting career. She played the bi vampire Countess Elizabeth I, in American Horror Story. I was just going to say, in American Horror Story Hotel, yep. she is so much fun to watch. Uh, she's got that, she 
looks like she could eat you. Oh, yes, please. And her and Matt Bomber play these bisexual vampires, and it's just, oh, it's awesome. Yeah, they can eat me anytime. Uh, so she was also in A Star is Born in 2018, which was Oscar nominated. Yep. In 2019, she won her first Academy Award for Best Song with Shallow from A Star is Born. Okay. Yeah. And in 2021, she portrayed Patrizia Reggiani in Ridley Scott's House of Gucci. Oh, that's right. Her sixth album, Chromatica, in 2020, won five awards, the MTV Video Music Awards that year. And she started her own nonprofit. The Born This Way Foundation, which focuses on promoting youth empowerment and combating bullying. And she's very openly bisexual. In 2010, she famously discussed her bisexuality with Barbara Walters in a 2020 interview. And yeah, she's just going strong with her career. Just doesn't give up. It's cool. Right? It's so funny because I remember when she first came out and there was so much about like, again, creating that icon. Like, mm-hmm. I think a lot of people forget how hard it is to become a household name. Yeah. Like, and the, the things like the meat dress and the arriving places in an egg and, and shit like that. Yeah. And it's, it's weird, but at the same time, it, I don't know. I have no problem with it. Uh, I think the way she handled it was very interesting because she, in the beginning of her career, she herself was an art installation. Yeah. And, and I mean, that's the thing is, like you said, becoming a household name. And getting people to pay attention, and then it's, okay, now who am I? What do I want to stand for? What do I want to speak for? But, you know, if you're if you're going to that extreme, then you're going to have something that you want people to pay attention to. Yeah, because I think about my parents, and my parents know who Lady Gaga is. Yeah. And it's not because they listen to her music, or it's not because of anything other than the stunts she pulled in the beginning. But... It got her noticed. It's got her noticed. It got her remembered. Yeah. And on top of that, she's really talented, so... That also really helps. You can... You know, she wasn't just a blip and then you miss it kind of thing. This was very much a notice me. Now that I've got your attention, I, I'm going to give you something to remember. Yeah. Now that I've got your attention, look how great I am. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's really cool stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So she's she's definitely a very well-known bicon. There were also people dressed up as her on that first bicon yeah. float as well. So, yeah. Next up. Okay. Get, get your sploosh pants ready. I mean, I'm, I'm assuming they've already been used a few Wait, times. Wait, is it David Bowie? No. no. <laughs> I actually did not put him on the list today because I thought it was a little too easy. Ziggy Stardust? Mm. <laughs> That's, there's no sluice pants. All right. So this person was born in 1975. Okay. Just a little bit older than me. From Mexico. Okay. Activist, actor, musician. Antonio Banderas? No. They, I was really hoping he was by. <laughs> they played the original Lady of the Lake in the 2005 Broadway oh, Sarah, um, Sarah Ramirez. Yes. Oh, my God. So <laughs> I had such a crush on Sarah Ramirez in, in college. And this was when she, she was Lady of the Lake. Yeah. But she was not really well known at that point. She, I think she had been in Grey's Anatomy, but really wasn't that big of a deal in Grey's Anatomy. And her webpage... It may have even been her MySpace page. I don't know. You could send, you could put your name and she would send you a signed picture. Mm-hmm. I think that picture is still, I think I still have that picture. I you think did. it's behind the Bernadette Peters signed picture. You still have it. Yeah. I cherished that picture. And then when she became this wonderful, amazing queer activist, it was just like, oh, I knew from the beginning, this is somebody I should worship. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. I'm done now. (laughs) 
Uh, so yeah, 2005 Broadway musical Spamalot, and they won the Tony Award for Best Featured Actress in a Musical, and gained wider recognition for playing, like you said, Dr. Callie Torres in Grey's Anatomy. In which she was a queer character. Yeah, yeah. And then they went on to play the bisexual character Kat Sandoval in the CBS show Madam Secretary. I've never seen that. Never seen it. Never heard of it. Yeah. And more recently, they played podcaster and Miranda's new lover in the Sex and the City reboot. Boo. I mean, sorry. It's Sex and the City. Come on. Yeah. But but like you said, um, they're an activist for LGBT rights, and they were awarded the Ally for Equity Award by the Human Rights Campaign Foundation in 2015. That's awesome. Um, But Sarah Ramirez came out fairly nonchalantly in their speech in the 40 to None Summit in October 2016. So six years ago now. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, always been a fan of Sarah Ramirez. Yeah. Sexy we'll, as hell. We'll always be a fan of Sarah Ramirez. Like they yeah. can do no wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very sexy. All right. So the next one, I, I'm not sure if you're going to get this one. Oh, good. We're going to, we're going to give it a go and see though. Are you ready? Cause I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> give me a second here. Fucking internet. Once in every podcast, there's a, moment like this Angela <laughs> tries to find something and then she goes to shit <laughs> okay here we go so we're gonna go back in time here for a moment this is why it took me so long to find it <laughs> diddly do, diddly do, I had to go back do. to the Wayback machine <laughs> wait 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 there we go it's way back <laughs> yes yes people are like no I'm skipping ad- another ad god damn don't skip ahead this one's good <laughs> uh, so person born in ni- mm, no not 19 Whew. 1797. Holy shitballs. Yeah. Okay. They died in 1851. Okay. From the UK. Okay. And it's a writer. Oh, Mary Shelley. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> when you said it earlier, I was like, oh my God, it's on the list for later. Like, I know she's a UK writer. I had no idea when she was alive. 1700s yeah. is when she was born. Yeah. 1845. Is that when she died? 1851. 1851. I also know that, look, I don't, and you may be telling me all of this later, but number one, if you haven't read Frankenstein, go read Frankenstein, Modern Day Prometheus, uh, an amazing book about the dangers of playing God and trying to have control. So Mm. I, what I love about that story, about how that book was written is, is basically you've got Mary Shelley, you've got, uh, or Mary, at that point, she was Mary Wollstonecraft. I don't think that her and Shelley had gotten married yet. Um, what, what was his name? Uh, Percy Shelley. And then another one of their friends who were all writers. I have this imagination. They were all picnicking on a, by a lake and they dared each other to write a ghost story. I'm sure they were all fucking. Like they had to have this great, open, wonderfully queer relationship. So that's in my fantasy. So go ahead and spoil it for me. Okay. So Mary Shelley is often credited with being the inventor of science fiction. She is the inventor of science fiction. <laughs> uh, and she's an inspiration to goth teenagers everywhere. <laughs> I, she was an inspiration to me, yes. Okay, so she was the daughter of famous radical and feminist writers Mary Wollstonecraft. Walt Wollstonecraft. Wollstone, Walt, Wol- Wollstonecraft. I think it's how... There's an N in it. Yeah. Unless it's a typo. Is this one of those wolf... Maybe. It's 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 it is Wollstonecraft, but I think okay. I think you like so you pronounce it like we do the suburb Wollstonecraft. I think so. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <Okay>. right. <laughs> and William Godwin, 
Her mother died early, so then she was raised in an unhappy blended family that was constantly on the verge of bankruptcy. So this is probably what propelled her to Percy Shelley, 21, who was then married to a pregnant wife and still offered to rescue her family from their debts when Mary was only 16. (laughs) So, first of all, she lost her virginity to Percy Shelley on her mother's grave. Oh, I I do remember that. (laughs) That's right. I do remember that. God damn. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I mean, talk about golf, right? (laughs) I'm how I'm so goth. How goth are you? I had a threesome with my dead mom. <laughs> I mean, lose your virginity on your mother's grave. Right. I mean, uh, you know, back in those days, there was not a lot of places to go. Sure. Fair. Uh, so she eloped to Europe. Was, does that make him a dead leg? Oh, <laughs> so she eloped to Europe with Percy Shelley, bringing her stepsister Claire along for the ride. <laughs> Why not? The three of them took uh, several trips to Europe. Uh, over the years, and escaping creditors, angry fathers, and the stigma of unwed pregnancy. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, so one of the trips involved joining Lord Byron's disaster right. bisexual road trip as he fled from both sodomy charges and taking responsibility for the child he'd had with Claire. <laughs> oh, my God. These, like, I am not saying any of these people are right. I'm just saying they're amazing right horse. But this is a whole story in of itself, right? right? Like you could you could have this whole novel based just on real life. So during that summer, Mary wrote her fam- most famous novel, Frankenstein, which revolutionized the horror genre and inventing modern science fiction in the process. Mm. Um, so despite her achievements, her life was marked by tragedy. During he drowned. Well, during young, yeah, during their time in Europe, all but one of her children died, Oofed. and she almost died. Two as the result of a miscarriage. Uh, after her elopement to Europe, her father, who previously had adored her, refused to have any contact with her until Percy's first wife died, and then they were able to make their relationship legitimate. People are dropping like flies. Uh, so then, not long after the miscarriage, uh, Percy drowned on a boating trip. You're right, Lake Geneva. Yep. And, well, oh my God. When one of his friends rescued his calcified heart from the funeral pyre, Mary made her second legendary goth lifestyle choice, wrapping it in a sheaf of poems and keeping it on her desk for the rest of her life. Wow. I'm amazed, impressed. She's baller. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So after Percy's death, she became very close to Jane Williams, whose husband Edward had drowned alongside Percy. The, The four of them had had a complex set of romantic relationships prior to the men's death. So while the two women supposedly hadn't been involved with each other before. Many believe that they began a relationship after their husband's deaths. So she, Mary Shelley, never openly admitted to the affair with Jane, um, but she did write to a friend later that during the period after Percy's death, she had only sought out romantic relationships with women as men were no longer worth the risk. I mean, she's not wrong. (laughs) Though, as she wrote to him, she would later conclude neither men nor women were worth the hassle. She still understood their appeal, confirming that were she a man 10 years younger, she would in fact attempt to court the object of his affections herself. But yeah, it's, yeah. But just how tumultuous, geez. Yeah. And and, yeah, completely goth. Totally. That's just crazy. It really is. Calcified heart. Like, random. Why would you go after that? I didn't realize that heart's calcified in fires. Well, apparently. I mean... (laughs) (laughs) You know. Cool. <laughs> See, you learn something new, Bradford, every day. Cool. Yeah, yeah. 
I mean, not something I hope to really experience, but yeah. You know. I, I mean, you, hi, welcome to my office. You see that? You see that there on my desk? Do you see that there on my desk? That's my husband's heart. Yeah. Yeah. I wrapped it in poems because, well, I'm a romantic. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay. Roses are red. Hearts are too. My husband is dead. And you will be soon. <laughs> um, okay. Are we ready to Sorry. Leave, leave the I mean, if you want to keep on with the poetry, go for just, it. I'm just remembering how much I love Mary Shelley. <laughs> and even more now. Yeah. We're going to really, really, really go way, way, way back now. Oh, good. 356 <laughs> BC. There's like a list of, <laughs> there's like a list of six people that this could be. <laughs> Um, they died in 323 BC. Wait. They're they're from Macedonia, ancient Greece. In case you're curious, wait. Categories: military and monarch. Alexander the Great. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> it's one of your six. There you go. It's one, like right. Okay, so it's it's not it's not a Mongol. So <laughs> that, that narrows it down. That moves it a little bit farther to the west. Uh-huh. Yep, so Alexander III of Macedon, commonly known as Alexander the Great, he was king of the ancient Greek kingdom of Macedon and member of the Argeid dynasty. Argeid? A-R-G. This is a typo. Oh. I don't know. No, it could be, I mean, Argeid maybe I don't dynasty? know. Yeah. Anyway, he was born in 356. Uh, yep. He succeeded his father, Philip II, to the throne at the age of 20. So he w- spent most of his ruling years on a military campaign through Asia, Northeast Africa. He created one of the largest empires in the ancient world by the time he was 30. Talk about feeling like an underachiever over here. (laughs) That always goes back to like the, what was it? Um, Somebody told me a long time ago, like, oh, Alexander the Great created the greatest empire on earth by the time he was 30. And like uh, uh, Thomas Jefferson wrote the Declaration of Independence before he was 32. And Jesus died for your sins at 33. What have you done? And I'm like, um, some, sometimes I pump my own gas. (laughs) What have I done? That's a great question. Not, not that. (laughs) Not that. Nope. Nope. Not that. So, yeah, Alexander the Great was undefeated in battle. Is widely considered one of history's most successful military commanders. I fell off a toilet once. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, he became legendary as a classical hero in the mold of Achilles, and he features prominently in history and mythic traditions of both Greek and non-Greek cultures. So he became, like, he was this great military leader. He's the one that everybody measured themselves against, right? Clearly. Um, <laughs> I mean, he married three times. Roxana, out of love. Roxana. And then Statira, the second, and Parasatis, the second. I, I'm totally butchering these names, I know. So I, I thought why. you were going to be like Roxanne, out of love. <laughs> C- Cicada, no, st- out of. So Statira, the second, and Parasatis, Parasatis, whatever, the second, uh-huh. for political reasons. Okay, okay. So see, see, you get the love one out first, yeah. and then you go for the political. And then you're like, love stinks. Uh, he also had a long, close, and generally assumed romantic relationship with his friend, general, and bodyguard, Hephaestion, son of the Macedonian noble. Wow. Hephaestion's death devastated Alexander, and this Aww. may have contributed to his failing health and detached mental state during his final months. Oh, that's depressing. Yeah. <sighs> so there you go. 
Yeah. But um, completely, completely feel like I've done nothing with my life now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But honestly, how many podcasts had Alexander the Great made? <laughs> When he was riding his elephants or horses or whatever, uh-huh. camels, things. Well, and how many have been made about him, though? Fuck. Yeah, see? Mm-hmm. Horses or camels are not great. <laughs> I don't know what Alexander wrote. I mean, what's so great about him anyway? Okay. You're going to like this next one. Uh, okay. You're really, really going to like this one. Fine. Born in 1965. Okay. In the UK. Okay. This person, see if you can get it just from this. Activist, actor, author, filmmaker, singer, writer. Ooh, filmmaker makes it hard. Um, is this person still alive? Yeah, yeah, still alive. Activist. Author, actor, filmmaker, singer, writer. Is this a Broadway person? Yes. Is it Alan Cumming? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you could get there. <laughs> Uh, so, Scottish stage, television, film, actor, singer, writer, director, producer, author, all the things. Yeah. You know, the, artistic. The, the octuple threat. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, he won a Tony Award for his portrayal of the Master of Ceremonies in 1998. On Cabaret. Revival of Cabaret on oh, Broadway. my God. That is still, like, I love Liza Minnelli, mm-hmm. but that version is, mm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's been in a lot of films, Spy Kids trilogy as Fagin Floop. And X2 as Nightcrawler, Kurt. Still he, my favorite X-Man. Yeah. He was um, in Instinct on CBS series, which is one of the few shows featuring a gay man as the main character. Mm. He's always been very open about his bisexuality. In 2012, he married his longtime partner, Grant Schaefer, and he told Instinct magazine, I have a healthy sexual appetite and a healthy imagination. I still define myself as bisexual, even though I have chosen to be with Grant. I'm sexually attracted to the female form, even though I'm with a man, and I just feel that bisexuals have had a bad rap. Cumming has worked for LGBTQI rights, emceeing, attending fundraisers for organizations like the Gay and Lesbian Alliance Against Defamation, Human Rights Campaign. He took part in the Equality Network video campaign New York, promoting the legalization of same-sex marriage in Scotland. He's supported several AIDS charities, including American Foundations for AIDS Research, Broadway Cares Equity Fights AIDS. He's a patron of Norm UK, an English-registered charity concerned with foreskin health and matters related to circumcision. He's condemned the practice of routine infant circumcision, particularly in the U.S., where it is common. But he's one of those people that's out loud, proud. Yeah. We saw him perform at the Inmore. We did. That was such a great concert. It was so, so much fun. Yeah. He's so talented and very funny. Yeah. So that was, yeah, I don't think I'll ever forget that concert. It yeah, was really good. He's definitely one that I would see absolutely again. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Oh. Welcome and bienvenue. <laughs> All right, I think we have time for one more if you have it. Yes, I do. I've got so. one left on my list. Good Excellent. Call. Well, you know what? You well, know, I'm just looking at the time. Yeah, yeah, okay. All right, all right. So this person. Okay. We're all on the roll right now, so I'm doing all right. You're doing good, you're doing good. you I don't know if you, you might get this one. I'm not, I'm not 100% sure. We're going to find out. 1884, they were born. <sighs> died in 1962. Okay. U.S. They were an activist and a public figure. Okay. Oh, this might give it away pretty quickly. Longest serving first lady. Uh, Roosevelt. Eleanor Roosevelt. Eleanor Roosevelt. Yep. Alongside her husband. Like, what's her name? Lindy Roosevelt. Yeah. Her legacy extends far beyond her time in the White House, however. Hmm. In 1884, she struggled through the deaths of both of her parents and one of her brothers. 
She attended finishing school in London, returned to the States, and married Franklin in 1905. He became governor of New York in 1928, and she decided to start her own life in the eyes of the public. She was the first presidential spouse to host her own press conferences, routinely using them to address controversial issues of the time, including civil rights. And in addition to writing her own newspaper column, My Day, she also worked on behalf of the League of Women Voters starting in 1933, spearheading efforts to help the poor, encouraging others to stand up against racial discrimination. She first met her lover and lifelong friend Lorena Hickok in 1928 when Hickok was working with the Associated Press. It took Hickok a few years to convince her editors to allow her to study Eleanor during her husband's campaigning. And the two then spent almost every evening together and quickly fell into a loving relationship. Aww. Uh, they had to live in different cities just because of, you know, work life and things like that. But their relationship is documented in over 3,000 letters to each oh other. Oh, my God. Yeah. And there's apparently some debate about the relationship between the two women. But as the letters become known, it's apparently really clear that their relationship is what Hickok's biographer uh, Doris Fabra called an unusually belated schoolgirl crush. Aww. So in a letter to Lorena in 1933, Eleanor wrote, Hick, darling, oh, how good it was to hear your voice. It was so inadequate to try and tell you what it meant. Jimmy was near and I couldn't say, je t'aime et je t'adore, which I think is... I, I love you, I love, I love you. you. I love you, I love you, something like that. Anyway, as I longed to do, but always remember I am saying it and that I go to sleep thinking of you and repeating our little saying. They're saying, I love you and I adore you. So yeah. that's it. Yeah, je t'aime je t'adore. Uh, was repeated in hundreds of their heartfelt letters. Aww. So she passed away from tuberculosis in 1962. Yeah, so apparently she really revolutionized the role of first lady and like, you know, have a platform, do a thing, stand up for something. The first lady had a first lady. Yeah, first lady had, I mean, everyone needs a first lady, right? I know, right? <laughs> oh, that's actually kind of sweet yeah. and romantic. Yeah, it's really sweet. Mm. So, yeah. You did very well on your Guess Who uh, Bicon edition. Started out <laughs> slow, but I, I made it. I think you did really good. And some of them you got without really knowing much at all. Uh, yeah. I know some of the people who, in the history of the world who are biconic. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, now yes. everyone out there knows a few more. That's right. I'm sure that there was someone on the list that you wouldn't have known. Yes. So. And if you haven't read Frankenstein, go read Frankenstein. Oh, my God. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Keep going back to her. Let's go have sex on somebody's grave. Uh, yes, please. Where, where's the nearest cemetery? Oh, I know where the nearest cemetery is. Okay, that's gross and dark. Don't do that. That's just rude. I mean, unless it's a family member, because then you know him at least. I think it's it rude to have sex on somebody's grave. I mean, it was her mother's grave. Who, who you don't know. Yeah. Anyway, so moving on. <laughs> uh, thank you so much. If you have your favorite bicons, send them our way. You can email us theatomsoflove at gmail.com or you can message us on any of our socials. We are at By the By Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Or you can hit us up on our website, www.bythebuy.com.au and then navigate to the contact page and you can get to us there. Uh, and Angela, anything else that uh, you'd like to say in the closing? Yeah, join us on Discord. Let us know how you did on the Guess Who Bicon edition. That's right. I'd really like to know how many you got out there. Yeah, me too. And we will see you next week. Bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. 
Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 